Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Mark J. Victor, criminal law attorney and Live and Let Live founder advocate, is a certified criminal law specialist by the Arizona Board of Legal Specialization and is admitted in Arizona and Hawaii. Mark has been zealously representing clients in serious state and federal criminal law matters for well over 25 years. A longtime freedom activist who speaks on the live and let live principle, the foundation upon which he established the world's only real peace movement. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Mark. It was hey, Ron, so, it's a, such a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, thank you. And it was so very inspiring and motivating to hear you speak at UCLA in February on Live and Let Live. What inspired you on your mission? Well, um, like so many other people who are uh, concerned, frankly, about uh, the path we're on as a species, right? Not just our own a town or state or country, but just as a, the path we're on as humans right now, I think there are reasons to be optimistic and there are reasons to be pessimistic. And, um, you know, there's a, a group of people, I would say, around the world who uh, really aren't in, uh, to put it in United States terms, not in the extreme right or the extreme left, but like I like to say, the reasonable people in the middle, the people who like to live and let live, as you may say, the people who respect the rights of other competent human beings to chart their own course in life, uh, to live as they please, even if they're living in ways that we don't personally agree with or we might think are immoral or uh, maybe not the best way to live or something, as long as they're being peaceful, you know, they're not aggressing against other people, then um, we think that uh, we should leave them alone to live how they want to live, but also to inspire them to be excellent human beings, and uh, which is slightly different than my talk at UCLA. If you recall, I talked about inspiring people to be good humans. We've changed that in the movement since that talk, and now we're, in, we're stepping it up, if you will, to try to inspire people to be excellent human beings. And so uh, that's what's inspired me. That's what um, burns, I think, in the hearts of people in the movement is to, frankly, leave the world a better place than we found it, to get us on a better track that I think was maybe start, started with the Enlightenment and some other ideas where um, we started to, frankly, live and let live. And we want to advance that cause and unite people around the world and say, look, we're all part of a global human 
community. And that's what we're trying to foster. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's just remarkable. Uh, what are some of the uh, items that you discuss with people? Well, um, of course, we try to meet people where they are. And yes. so I may, I may present, although I always say the same things content-wise, and we never vary from the principles, what we call the live and let live philosophy, you present it differently depending on who you're talking to sometimes. So if I'm speaking to someone on maybe the far right, uh, I might say I might start in a different place than someone from the far left. But frankly, we always like to try to start with the two main principles of our movement which uh, really break down into what we call a legal principle and a moral principle. We think it's very important for people to understand, you know, and both are important, but they're very different. The ideas of legality. And of course, I'm a lawyer now for probably three decades. And, um, you know, legal rules are important because these are the rules you got to follow, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, whether you know about the rules or not, you're held to this what we might say, minimum standard of conduct. And so that's the legal world. And to the extent I have expertise here, it's in that world. And basically what we're saying here is just don't aggress. Don't aggress against other people or their Mm -hmm. property. Don't fraud people. Don't coerce people. Don't put other people in danger. Don't, you know, refrain from doing those kinds of things. That's what the law should prevent. And we want to calibrate the law around that basic idea And so that's the legal principle. And then there's the moral Mm -hmm. principle, which is a completely different thing. I mean, morality is something we think should be outside the law, but it's still very important, right? Just because it's outside the law doesn't mean we don't care about it or we don't want to advocate for it. And so this is what we try to inspire people to, as I've said previously, be an excellent human. And what we're talking about here are things like um, high character. And we're bringing in some of the basic what you might call the four virtues from ancient philosophy. They're really the same ideas that underpin most of the major religions of the world and different uh, philosophies of life like Buddhism and what Confucius was speaking of and um, maybe some of the ideas from the humanist movement and things like that. There are basic ideas about acting with high character And, you know, we also talk about thinking win-win, right? Let's think about interacting with other human beings in ways that are in both our interests and in the interests of the other person, right? Let's seek win-win types of things. And then, of course, you know, open-mindedness and tolerance and voluntary kindness and civility towards our fellow humans and building high levels of trust. We try to inspire people to bring out the best new versions of themselves. But of course we recognize as moral ideas, other people might say, I completely disagree with this. I don't care about being an excellent human. To them, we say, fine, uh, you're not really part of our movement, but, but we defend your right to live however you want so long as you don't aggress. That's the thing we demand of other people that you don't aggress, which is to say, you don't punch other people, you don't steal from them, don't keep your hands to yourself, right? The rules mm-hmm. that we all learned in kindergarten. So that's the basic outline of the live and let live. And it's a global peace movement. And we have people all over the world that we're uniting around what we call the live and let live philosophy, which is frankly a practical political philosophy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, you're not saying to people, don't stand up for yourself. You're saying it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's like, don't be an aggressor. As you say, like, don't hurt people. Don't um, punch people. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it's decency. Um, and, and I think that's uh, maybe perhaps where our religions have uh, been effective um, is uh, treating people morality. But I think that uh, this pa pairs so nicely with the whole movement of human consciousness, don't you? Well, it depends what you mean when you say the movement of human consciousness. And yes. so, um, and of course, you know, people have different ideas about different movements. And, you know, like when you say the ideas underpinning religion, sure. Um, to the extent that people are motivated by religion to not be aggressors, then we certainly align with them. To the extent they're motivated by religion to be aggressors, and there's certainly a group historically and even uh, contemporaneously right now uh, who are motivated because of their religion to aggress, okay, we would be against that. So it, look, we, we say live however you like so mm -hmm. long as you're not an aggressor, but we have some suggestions, ideas that we're pushing, yeah. like we're saying, look, live however you like, that's true, but we don't stop there. We say, look, there are some ideas that we think just will allow you to live a better life, right? If you follow what we call the aspirational values, the things I just ticked off, you're free to ignore them. But if you follow them, we think you'll live a happier life. You might disagree and you're free to disagree. We certainly wouldn't. We would oppose enshrining even our own moral values, the things I just ticked off, even those into the law, because it's so important to keep morality out of the law, which is easy when it's someone else's morality. When it's your own morality, people tend to say, well, my morality is good. Let me put that in the law. And that's what we're trying to say. That's the cost of trying to achieve freedom, peace, and prosperity. We've got to refrain from putting even our own morality into the law. And that's the hard part. That's the bitter pill to swallow. We got to let other people, and there are people out there with moralities that we might say, look, this is a terrible morality. Take, for example, uh, racism, people who are racists, and we would try to talk them out of that view and say, look, this is foolish uh, to be a racist. But at the end of the day, if you say, Mark, I, look, I've listened to everything you've said. I disagree with you. I'm a racist. I don't like people of this race or that race, whatever. We say, fine, you get to live however you want to live, but you don't get to aggress. You don't get to put hands on anybody. You don't get to steal people's things. You don't get to put your, uh, what I would say, crazy ideas of racism into the law uh, and force people to do this or that. You don't get to force anybody to do anything. We recognize really the dignity of other human beings to live how they think is best so long as they don't aggress. That's the let live part of the live and let live philosophy. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was referring to the human um, uh, consciousness movement, it, it so aligns because uh, people are meditating, people are getting in touch with the true essence of themselves, there's more kindness in the world, and so it elevates the human consciousness or our vibration, right? And so when our vibration is higher, we're happier, we're joyful, and so and, 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 you know, I always say that when you go out and you're going to the stores and living your life and you're kind, you smile at people and that kindness is so far outreaching. Um, and especially, 
uh, a woman who has some children that are home and uh, she's struggling. And if you're kind to people on a daily basis, that kindness goes into the home, goes into the children and all of that. And that's what I love about what you're doing and the movement, because it all surrounds that human decency uh, and we can affect our neighbors. We can affect those people that we see out during the day. Well, I certainly agree with you in terms of your remarks about kindness and human decency and the benefit of that, not just for ourselves, but for our fellow humans, our fellow brother and sister humans. Uh, I also like your remarks about meditation while this is outside of our movement, right? Because there are many things we don't reach in our movement. But of course, I have personal views that are outside the movement, as does everybody in the movement. We all have what I would call our higher moral ideas that the movement doesn't reach, right? It's important to say that the live and let live philosophy is not a philosophy about how you should live your life, right? There are other yes. philosophies that are compatible here. So I uh, I'm very happy to say I try to meditate every day myself. I meditated today. I meditate in what you might call the Buddhist tradition of meditation, where you uh, focus on the fact that you're merely conscious and separate that from uh, things that you are conscious of, what you might call the contents of consciousness. But also, uh, after I do my Buddhist-style meditation uh, in the morning, I also do a different style of meditation, which I call a stoic meditation. I uh, fairly recently discovered the philosophy of stoicism. And uh, this, of course, is an ancient philosophy that comes out of the ancient Greco-Roman tradition. It's about it's more than 2000 years old, frankly, uh, if you go back to the founders of this. And while I don't agree with everything that the Stoics said, and of course, Different Stoics, mm -hmm. different things like, you know, people in any movement. I'm very heavily influenced by so many of the great ideas that I've found in Stoic philosophy. I think they uh, merge very nicely and frankly were adopted by many other movements. In fact, uh, Christians have a serenity prayer that they use at the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. This is taken right out of Stoicism. You could take it right out of uh, Epictetus's discourses. Uh, or his, uh, and, and the handbook, um, and he starts the handbook with the, the concept of there are some things we control and some things we don't control. And uh, this is really um, the same thing that they're talking about in the serenity prayer. So yeah, I think it's very important to focus on the different concepts of things we control and things we don't control. And I try to spend my time and efforts on things that I can control and influence and try not to spend my time stressing and having anxiety over things that are totally outside my control. I think that's a very good philosophy of life. If your goal is to, um, you know, improve your character and uh, reach, as the Stoics would say, tranquility, which is frankly to uh, optimize a positive psychological state of mind and to minimize negative states of mind. Mm -hmm. And it will changes the brain. Uh, uh, meditation does change the brain, and it makes uh, people calmer. And um, so I, I love that. Um, I, I just love what you discuss there. It's so interesting and intriguing. When we talk about the movement, you're heading towards something with this movement. Is that correct? 
Yeah. I mean, I'll just put it bluntly. We are trying to change the world. We want yes. to change uh, the course of really how humans interact with other humans, right? I mean, we look, if you're by yourself on the planet, you don't need any rules for anything, right? We don't need yeah. rules about anything. But if you're going to interact with another human, and we are social creatures, and so fortunately, none of us is alone on the planet, and we like to interact with other humans, we got to have rules about how we interact. And there are different varieties of rules. Some are rules that you uh, must follow, which are the legal rules, and some are that you should follow. Those are the moral or ethical rules. And we care about both. Um, but I think we went awry because people don't spend time thinking about the difference. I'll give you an example, Rhonda. Um, people sometimes will say things to me like, and I'm just pulling an example out of thin air. People will say, look, I, I don't like gambling. I'm against gambling. I don't gamble. I think it's a terrible thing. I think it ruins lives. I'm against gambling. Okay, I always think after I hear something like this, I'm now puzzled. Is, it, is this person saying I'm against gambling for me? In other words, I don't choose to gamble. And okay, well, that might be an interesting discussion. It's, I'm less concerned about that than I am the person who means by that statement, I support making gambling illegal for everybody. Because what that's doing is taking that person's personal judgment about yeah. Enforcing that particular judgment on everybody else. You can say the same thing about uh, smoking marijuana or drinking alcohol or euthanasia or prostitution. You know, these are all interesting discussions about your personal views, but I'm less interested in that in terms of how we fix the world than I am about if this person is generalizing their personal views and trying to impose them on everybody. Because I think that's where we went wrong. And oftentimes when I confront a person who makes such a statement and I say, well, is that just your moral position or is this a legal position? They're usually very confused by that. Well, what do you mean? Well, are you trying to make it illegal or not? And they say, ah, oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. And that's the problem. Like we need to think about whether yes. it's a moral position or a legal position. And this is what we are trying to get people to think about in terms of their own personal views. Mm -hmm. And so how should they, how uh, does the movement want them to think? Because that's what people want to do. They have views and they want to shove it down somebody else's throat. Yes. And uh, you want to hurry up and get away from them because it's uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable. So tell us about um, how you see this. Okay. Well, some people, when I ask them that question, will immediately say something like, oh, look, that's just my personal view. I, of course, would never, you know, other people, if they want to gamble, that's their decision. I would try to talk them out of it, but I certainly wouldn't try to make it illegal. Okay, that's a more enlightened person. So that person right there, I'm going to say, hey, have you heard about the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement? Because that person is a natural for our movement. And that's what we're trying to teach people, right? You can still advocate for your position and say, look, I, I feel very strongly people shouldn't gamble. I try to convince people not to get all that's fine. So long as you recognize that it is not a contradiction to say I'm personally against something. I advocate that people shouldn't do it. However, I just as strongly feel that it should be legal because what they're saying here is I respect the rights of other competent adults. And I think it's important. I always say competent adults because mm -hmm. people will immediately say, well, what about the children? 
Children are not competent adults. They have guardians. We call them parents or or step parents or maybe guardians or something, foster parents. Uh, But they don't get to make these kinds of decisions. But competent adults get to decide for themselves things like what they put in their own bodies or what they don't put in their own bodies. Right now, if you think about it in those terms, it really helps resolve the questions we just went through over the many the past several years. Things like, should you be forced to take a vaccine? Should you get to smoke marijuana? These are exactly the same questions, which is who gets to decide what goes in your body? You, the owner of the body, the competent adult who owns that body or somebody else. We always answer the question by saying the competent adult owner of the body gets to decide what goes in it, how it's used, what it does, how it spends its time. In fact, I like to say, to make the point, you should be the unapologetic, iron-fisted dictator of your body, your property, your money, and your time. You own your life, period. No exceptions. And that applies not just to all individuals, but very importantly to all groups and all corporations and all governments. We don't think anybody or any group or any government should be treated any differently. Everyone should be held to exactly the same standard. Because look, to say uh, that you could simply form a group and now you can uh, boss somebody around or tell them what to do with their body, or you could be a corporation or a government here, doesn't change the analysis, right? It's people who form corporations and people who form governments, and they can't delegate any greater rights than they have to those entities. And nobody has a right to control another person's body, property, money, or time. So they can't delegate that right to a group, a corporation, or a government. And that's how we see things. And so we're very clear. And I think it's it's just the most important concept to distinguish between a legal rule and a moral rule. But they're both important. I don't want to minimize morality. I think it's very – in fact, I think that we're suffering right now in our world – with a crisis of character, right? We, we have a, a shortage of good character. And I think we need to try to inspire people to get back to good character, to make your word mean something, to build high levels of trust with other human beings. This is very important. I think that's, if, if you said, Mark, where have we gone awry? I would say right there, right? That uh, we're lacking in good character and we don't really pay enough time to the difference between a personal moral view and a legal view. And I think the law, because because we are forcing it on people, needs to be very, very, as we lawyers would say, narrowly tailored. It should all be calibrated very closely to the idea that you don't get to aggress, right? That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where you're affecting another person. And that's where the law gets involved. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there might be some listeners um, thinking right now, well, what are the attributes of a good character? Well, um, you know, this is this is very important to discuss. And, you know, people can disagree here, but we like to talk about things like uh, balance. That's very important. Having balance in life. We think high levels of trust is important. Justice in the ancient philosophy sense, which is how you treat other people practical wisdom, knowing how to get along in the world and how to achieve your goals, uh, things like that. 
And so um, I think high levels of trust is also very, very important. Keeping your word is very important. So um, all of this, and you know, look, there are always going to be agreements at the edges, which is why I call uh, what we're pushing a practical political philosophy. I tell people in the movement, we don't want to go too far here because at some point, every two people will disagree on something. Like many things we don't talk about, like, for example, why shouldn't you aggress? What's wrong with aggressing? We don't reach that question. Uh, you might come to this for religious reasons. You might come to it for natural law reasons or social contract reasons or economic reasons or practical reasons, or maybe mom told you aggressing was wrong. We don't reach any of that stuff. Uh, we say why you agree with that rule is beyond the scope of our movement. It's that you agree with that rule that we care, what we care about. So um, I think courage to do the right thing uh, when it's hard to do the right thing, right? Maybe when uh, the majority of people disagree with you. And when I say the right thing, I mean the morally right thing to do, right? When it's hard to do the right thing, that's an important way that I measure character. And also how you treat people, especially people who don't have anything to offer you, right? People who can't uh, help you get more money or more status or something like that. Uh, you know, the, how do you treat the person who comes in to clean up the office late at night when it's just you and them? How do you treat the bus driver, the person that maybe doesn't have a lot to offer you or something? Do you treat that person with the same kind of kindness and respect that you treat people who might maybe could do something for you? That's the kind of thing I look to in terms of good character, high quality character. I like people who uh, best, I, I should say, who treat their own personal character as the most important goal of their lives to build their own high character. I don't think anything is more important than building your own personal high character and testing it and having it challenged. And, and when you go to bed at night, you should follow one of the ancient stoic meditations. They call this sort of the nighttime meditation. Think back about your day. What did you do that you could have done better during the day? What did you do where you've met your, your expectations for high character? Where can you improve? Because look, none of us are perfect. Um, we're, not, we're not pushing utopia here. We're never going to get to a perfect society. We're never going to get to a perfect person. But you should be ferociously and relentlessly committed to excellence. And that's what we're pushing. That's why we changed it from be a good human to be an excellent human, because we really want to push people to be the best human beings they can possibly be, recognizing that we all make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you very much uh, for discussing that, um, because I think that a lot of people may go um, off kilter a little bit, is how they treat the person in the lobby who's sweeping the floor, and how they treat um you know, people in the boardroom, right? And the thing is, is that it needs to be across the board. Yeah, we have to respect, I mean, look, I, 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 in ancient philosophy, in fact, mm -hmm. Socrates started the idea of a global cosmopolis, they called it, which is if you had asked, asked Socrates, where are you from? He would say, I'm a citizen of the world. And I think we need to look at that first. I am a member of the human race 
first before any other subcategory. It doesn't matter what color your skin is or where you were born or what your ethnicity is or your nationality or whether you're religious or not religious or your sexual orientation. I'm a member of the human race. And let's start viewing other humans. And this, again, comes from ancient philosophy as brothers and sisters. And let's treat them accordingly. I, I, when I meet somebody, I start with a presumption of friendship. Now, it may turn out I'm dealing with somebody who views the world differently than me. They may be an aggressor, right? There are bad people or people who do bad things in the world. We should recognize that. I don't want to uh, be Pollyanna-ish about uh, other humans. We have humans, what you might say are bad humans, fine. But let's at least go into it with the idea that even if the person looks different than me, they're from a faraway place, they celebrate different holidays, uh, have eat different foods, have different customs, probably we're more similar than we are different. Let's go into it with the idea that we're, we're friends, we're brothers and sisters, and let's share and care about each other. Because ultimately, where we're going here is um, what I would say is the exactly the Christian concept of brotherly love. And I think that's what we're, uh, you know, first, I, I think the first step is freedom, which is the idea that let's not aggress against each other, right? Let's recognize that you're in charge of your life and I'm in charge of my life. And then peace, which is adding to that idea that not only am I not going to aggress against you, I'm going to treat you a certain way. I'm going to interact. I'm going to care a little bit about your welfare. That's going to get us to peace, right? And then after we achieve that, and I hope we do achieve that, Let's get to this brotherly love idea, not in a romantic sense. In a, we're all on the planet for a short period of time. Let's love each other. Let's celebrate life. Let's uh, help each other. Let's care about each other. And I will not stop fighting until we get there. And uh, sure, that's a big, uh, lofty goal, but I don't, it's certainly not impossible. There's nothing about the physical laws of the universe that say we can't uh, get a lot closer to an idea of brotherly love, but I don't want to enshrine that into the law, right? I don't think you should have a legal duty to be charitable even to other people. You have a duty not to aggress as a legal duty, uh, but you don't have a legal duty. I don't have any right to reach into your wallet and take your money and spend it on things that I think are important. I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to want to do that but I don't want to force you to do that because I don't have any right to force you to do that. And that, you know, that's the bitter pill we got to swallow. We can't incorporate even our own good morality into the law. And so we have to be able to swallow that pill. You know, I think of the famous cake baker case that the Supreme Court uh, took up a few years ago and frankly dodged the question of whether the religious cake baker could refuse to bake the cake for the gay couple who uh, they didn't personally like their views because of their religion. And um, we got to tolerate that idea. If you don't want to trade with somebody for even for bad reasons, take the racist person who says, look, I don't want to do business with somebody because I don't like the color of their skin or something. Uh, that's that's distasteful to me personally. Mm -hmm. But I don't get to force that person to do anything. So we have to swallow that bitter pill in the same way we do with First Amendment free speech, in the same way that we, we support and defend the rights of the white supremacists, uh, Jewish uh, people who hate Jewish people to march right through the Jewish neighborhood peacefully 
on the public streets and say how much they dislike the Jews uh, as long as they're peaceful. And we recognize this in the First Amendment context, and we need to recognize it in all contexts. And I say that as a Jew, right? I'd be mm-hmm. the first person to defend the rights of somebody to stand up and say, I hate Jews, I hate lawyers, I hate criminal defense lawyers, I hate people who found global peace movements. I defend your right to say that as long as you're peaceful. As long as you're peaceful. Um, When we think of the world as a whole, um, competition is very, uh, can be very uh, fierce. Well, uh, competition can be fierce, but it shouldn't, it should never be aggressive, right? Nobody Mm -hmm. gets to compete in aggress against another person for any reason, right? So you never get to be an aggressor, even if you're trying to make a dollar, period. However, if you are peacefully competing with another person or another business or something, have at it. You should get to make as much money as makes you happy so long as you make every dollar honestly and peacefully. And we need to get back to a meritocracy, right? I think that um, people should be rewarded based on the value that they bring to the world. And so I, I sure like the idea that businesses that provide goods and services for their customers who want them at the prices that they like get rewarded and businesses that don't do such a thing get punished in the marketplace of ideas and in the in the marketplace of goods and services. That's a great idea to me. So I like the idea of meritocracy. That doesn't mean that businesses can't, if they want, operate on completely different principles. If you say, look, um, I hire people because I want to have a a certain number of people from different groups. We care about diversity and I want to hire uh, this X number of people in this category and X number of people in that category. You're absolutely free to do that. The way I run my business is I try to hire people based on their character, which is how I define the best person for the job without any regard to what package that person comes in. I completely buy into what Martin Luther King said about judging people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. Incidentally, uh, Seneca said this, one of the famous Stoics of 2000 years ago, long before Martin Luther King said it, they were both right when they said it, in my opinion. Let's judge people by their good, by their good character and do business with them and be friends with them and do have our dealings with them on that basis without any regard to what package it can. I mean, who cares? This is really a dumb idea in my view. This, of course, my personal view, you might disagree with it, but to judge people by the color of their skin or the sex they are or their religious views or their sexual orientation or their nationality or what holidays is really dumb in my view. Uh, I care about content of character. Are you a high character person? Uh, Welcome to the movement. And Mark J. Victor would love to be friends with you if that's the case. That's just how I run my life. I recognize people can run their lives on different, different values. All I say to them is you don't get to aggress. And we're firm about that, right? You don't get to aggress for any reason. I don't care what you're trying to accomplish. There are no exceptions to that role in our movement. If you want to know how I feel on any particular issue, hey, Mark, how do you feel about issue X? I'm going to immediately figure out, is somebody aggressing here? If somebody's aggressing for any purpose, I'm going to say I'm against it. This should be illegal. If they're Mm -hmm. not aggressing, I'm going to say, well, the conduct should be legal. And then I move 
to the moral principle? Is somebody acting in conformity with being an excellent human? If they are, great. I'm in favor of all of it. If they're not, if they're acting uh, as bad humans or something like that, then I might say, well, I, tr- I would try to talk them out of it, even though it should be legal conduct. This is how I deal with the, the peaceful white supremacist, if you will. I do my best to talk them out of it. I wouldn't do business with them. I might even picket their business, but I would defend their right to hold any views they want to hold because I want to live in a free society, one that is free and peaceful. So I advocate for my moral views. I mandate that they don't aggress. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So wonderfully said. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symatrax. And boy, we're having a dynamic conversation with Mark J. Victor. Where might people reach out to you and learn more about this movement? Well, people can always reach out to me directly. I'm easy to get a hold of. Uh, just through my law firm website, which is um, attorneysforfreedom.com. So I'm easy to get a hold of there. In fact, my personal email is just Mark, M A R C, at attorneysforfreedom, all spelled out.com. Also, I wouldn't, you know, if you're, people are listening to this show and they're saying to themselves, you know what, this sounds like a good movement. I want to find out more about the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement. I would urge them to go to liveandletlive.org, liveandletlive.org. Check out the home of the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement. If you like what's there, and if you like what I've said on this show, you will love what is there, then sign up and check the box that says, look, I agree with the legal principle and the moral principle. Become a member of the movement because this is how we will gain influence in the world. And ultimately, We need to get enough members so we have more influence in the world. So elected representatives will listen to us. People can run for office and say, hey, I'm a live and let liver, which means I support the values of the live and let live global peace movement. That should convey an encyclopedia of information about their political philosophy. If you told me you you are a member of the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement and you support the ideals and you understand what the movement is about. I support you for anything you are running for, period. We need more people in the movement. And if you want to volunteer to help, we could certainly always use more volunteers anywhere in the world. We've already got people all over the world. Is We have chapters in Africa um, and people all throughout Europe and throughout the United States and in different countries, Canada and people in uh, Australia, and uh, I think some even in New Zealand. And we're, we're building a community of live and let livers, people who understand and agree with these values, the legal principle, the moral principle, and who are absolutely committed to improving the world. So if you like that effort, go to liveandletlive.org and join the movement. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been into your website, and of course, I've signed up. Do you have any shirts and things like that that people can purchase once they have signed up? We have the coolest t-shirts on Fantastic. the planet. If yeah. you go to liveandletlive.org, you'll see our logo there, which is really awesome. Um, it, it features the shaka from the culture of Hawaii. The native Hawaiians flash this symbol. You might recognize it from surfer culture. It really is not known very well around the world. In fact, our group in Poland said, Mark, we... We didn't know about this Shaka thing. It was really new to us, but it's really catching on. Uh, And so we like it doesn't have baggage. Some people think the peace symbol has some baggage 
about other political views with it. Well, the shaka doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. So we use the shaka to convey really the live and the live philosophy. And you'll see the globe there. And it's represented by the continents of the world around it to show look, we're a global movement. And it's an awesome logo and you can get T-shirts and all kinds of other things and people are buying. And you can be one among the first people in the world to be sporting a live and let live T-shirt by going there and buying. And of course, every purchase helps the movement. Money is important. We're also a 501c3 nonprofit. So you can donate uh, and deduct it on your taxes to the Live and Let Live Foundation, which is uh, non-political. So the Live and Let Live Foundation is Live and Let Live nonprofit.org. So you can check that website. All of it's under construction. It's all in the works right now. And uh, you know, we're trying to do it right by spending time and putting good videos and good information. So it's really not a movement sort of started um, by the seat of our pants. We really wanna take our time and do it right because this is a generational long project and we have to succeed, right? The world, the technology, there are some things going on in the world right now with the advance of technology that allow smaller and smaller groups of people to cause greater amounts of harm. And this is really the race we're in right now. We've got to get the reasonable people of the world together so we can get some of these major threats. And I'm thinking about things like nuclear weapons, biological weapons, chemical weapons, the growth of artificial intelligence, I'm thinking about engineered pandemics around the world. These are the things we're, we're very worried about. And um, right now, if something is going on in some foreign country, there's not much I can do about it. We've got to somehow get people united around these basic ideas so we can take some action against people who are aggressing against others and intend to aggress against others. Because um, as I've said, you know, soon nuclear weapons, like every other technology, will be available to people who want them. And on that day, we're going to be in big, you know, if anybody who wanted a nuke could have one right now, today would be the last day of the human race. I don't know any other way to put it. So we're really in a race to get people united around the important ideas so we can, frankly, continue our species on the planet. I don't think that that overstates the case. I think that we are in danger of losing our species on this planet. We've got to get our social development caught up to our technological development. And right now, we're way behind. Look, we're on the brink of war, unfortunately. Uh, We could wake up tomorrow morning and find out China's invaded Taiwan. Uh, They vowed to take Taiwan back militarily. We vowed to defend it militarily. I don't like that situation. We're a tick away uh, with war. Uh, with Russia right now, we're fueling the Ukraine war and Russia's gearing up. That scares me over there. Uh, the Middle East, they're lobbing missiles at each other over there. Pakistan and India could get in an argument. The, the guy from North Korea made a statement this week. He's gearing up with his offensive nuclear capabilities and yet missiles with longer and longer range. We got to get this situation under control. And frankly, I would like to see all of these weapons of mass destruction completely eliminated from the planet Earth, maybe with the exception of a few in case we've got to divert an asteroid or something like that. But you cannot use these kinds of weapons without killing innocent people. And that is always aggressing. So it's so it's fair to say we got to find a way uh, responsibly 
to get rid of these weapons because, you know, we can also suffer a horrible miscalculation, a political miscalculation, an accident. We've got these nukes all over the world and uh, people guarding them who may not be um, the most highly trained. And uh, so that we're in a very difficult situation right now. Plus, there are yet other technologies which are not developed yet, which we can't even envision, which could uh, wreak havoc on our species. So we've got our work cut out for us. I think the situation is somewhat urgent. And so I hope people will take the liveandletlive.org website and at least, if you do nothing else, join the movement and spread it far and wide through all of your social networks and encourage everybody you know to join this movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what you just talked about is so frightening and we're so protected where we live. It's hard to envision um, that that type of um, those types of things are going on in our world. Well, Rhonda, it's a fiction. We're not that well. We think we're well protected. Yeah. But imagine, imagine some person with malicious intent gets on the internet, gets the recipe for, say, smallpox, or worse, a designer uh, virus, more, more deadly, more communicable, and then they start setting it off somewhere in the world. Look what we just went through with the coronavirus. Imagine if this thing had been far more deadly and far more communicable. And then if they could do that, they could do five different ones at the same time. So we, have, we live under a fiction that we are well protected, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're spending more time arguing about pronouns and who's going to use the bathroom and who gets to play on the sports team yeah. while we're on the brink of nuclear war. And uh, we just can't afford to put our focus and energies on the wrong things. We got to focus on things that could result in the destruction of our species. We don't know, for example, what are what's going to happen when machines are not just smarter than us, but much smarter than us in a second when they're exponentially smarter than us. And whatever we do, they've thought through 10,000 different variations of whatever it is we could do. And what if their interests are not aligned with our interests? It's a scary proposition. We don't get a redo here. And so we've got to develop this stuff uh, responsibly. And when I look to what our leaders are talking about right now, I don't hear them talking about these kinds of issues. We've got to get, we look, we can't afford another presidential election with two choices that frankly are both very, very substandard. We need people of character who understand the big issues to step up and run for office and enough people organized in a movement to propel the right people into the positions of power in our society. Look, I, I just ran for United States Senate here in Arizona mm-hmm. as a third party candidate. And I can tell you so many people from both the left and the right contacted me and said, Mark, I love what you're saying, but you know, you're a third party and I can't, no third party could ever get elected in a major election in the United States. Therefore, I'm going to vote for, you know, the, someone on the left or someone on the right. We got to get out of this, right? Everybody's yeah. complaining about the two party system. But then when somebody steps up in a third party, uh, they're met with this, well, we love you, but we can't vote for you because we're wasting our vote. We got to do something different. And I think it starts with getting our heads around the right philosophy first, right? We can't just complain about things. We got to advocate for the right practical political philosophy. And then let's use that 
to get people in positions of power and start aligning other people in other countries around this voluntarily. I'm not pushing a one world government or something like this. Yeah. But I think we can do this voluntarily if enough people get together and say, look, we all live different. Let's unite around this basic idea. You don't get to aggress against anybody. And let's let's advocate for high character and be an excellent human and to use those two principles and nothing else to get out there and advocate and try to change how we the rules of how we interact with each other. So that's really what the movement is. And you know, to say, look, Mark, I agree with you and did not take any action is to do a disservice to your fellow humans and the future generations of humans to come. Take some action. I'm not saying you should spend every second of your time or donate all, every dollar you have, but do something. Don't just sit around and complain. If you want to donate to the movement, great. We appreciate your donation, but help. We could use your efforts too. Could barely you know, help spread the word. I don't think we're asking for too much here. We need people to help out with this movement if we're going to succeed. And we're in, frankly, we're in an urgent situation right now. I, I don't, and I hate sounding alarmist, but I also mm-hmm. know we don't get a second chance here. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it's a compound effect. I mean, if everybody does their bit, I mean, it 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 uh, mushrooms, right? Absolutely. We're waiting. We're waiting to go viral on the internet, and we're and we know this is going to happen at some point. Yeah. But what we want to do is get the websites perfected. We want to get everything as good as it can possibly be. So when that happens, we can put our best foot forward out there. In fact, right now, if you go to the website, it'll say "Be a good human," and we've we've recently modified that to be an excellent human. So we have to yeah. update that on the website. I'm I'm actually writing a book right now about live and let live and the philosophy. I want to get that done. And, you know, I I manage a law firm right now and uh, we've got about 30 employees. So that's a full more than a full time job. So uh, but we're committed to the project and and I'm fortunate to have many, many good people in the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement. We have some excellent volunteers. And so, um, you know, we're trying our look at the end of my life. I'm going to say I did what was within my power to try to improve the world. What other people do is really outside of my control. Uh, But if you feel the same way I feel, get involved and help out with this movement. This is not something that I'm doing to make a profit. I I make plenty of money running my law firm. I've done well in my legal career. This is something I do because I got kids and they're going to have kids. And I care about the human race and I want to leave the place better than I found it. I know a lot of other of my fellow brothers and sisters feel the same way. I think this is the best vehicle. We're not caught up in any one particular issue, right? We're not uh, just involved in this issue or that issue. We resist that. We're involved in all issues. We say all issues should be resolved according to the live and let live philosophy. This isn't to say they're all easy to resolve, right? In my book, I tackle very hard questions about abortion and animal rights and war and how we fund things and pandemics and climate change. These are all very hard questions, but they have reasonable, rational resolutions. There are ways to resolve questions, even when people disagree on fundamental issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Fantastic. Do you feel that you've been called to your mission? Well, uh, if you ask my mom, She'll say, you know what, as as long as I can remember, as young as Mark was, he's always been like this. 
I, as young as I can remember, in fact, I can remember writing thank you notes for gifts that I received at 12 years old saying, I'll use this for law school. And I always preferred talking politics. I was always about how do, you know, what rules make sense? I was the kid who always asked why. And so uh, this is maybe the culmination of what I've learned as a lawyer. I'm kind of a legal junkie. I mean, I've been practicing criminal defense for almost 30 years now, but I'm really a legal junkie. I like, I could talk to you about contracts or torts or property law or family law or corporate law or constitutional law or even procedural law, how we should conduct trials. What do I think about juries? I could talk to you about all of this and there are areas we can improve in all of this, but I've used all of that legal knowledge to really try to coalesce. What should the legal system do? What could we do better in the legal system? Yeah. What do we do well? And there's a lot we do well, right? The, our, we could be, there's a lot to be proud about in our legal system. Again, I don't want to be misunderstood. It's not perfect and there's plenty of room for improvement. But what started out as Roman law and morphed into English common law and has now become American jurisprudence has evolved really some excellent ways to resolve disputes and some rules that are very fair that could still be evolved some more. But generally, we could be pretty proud of how we at least resolve disputes right now in the United States. You have a lot of good procedural rights. Now, the substantive law needs to be changed. No matter how good we conduct a trial, if, if, if you're charged with a victimless crime, which is to say you're charged with not aggressing against anybody, you're charged with a violating somebody else's moral sensibilities about how you should use your body or property or money or time, no matter how fair a trial we give you, it's going to be an unjust result. Because even if you're truly guilty of a victimless crime, I would say you should still be left alone. This is an unjust prosecution. So we've got to align our substantive laws. What does that look like in the criminal law area? It means get rid of all the victimless crimes out of the criminal law. It doesn't mean that we're sending messages to people telling him it's okay to do these things. I can at the same time say, look, if, if you're a competent adult and you want to put a drug in your body, you should have the right to do that legally and follow that with, you're really making a big mistake if you put some of these horrible drugs in your body. I think yeah. it's going to ruin your life and it's a bad idea. And I, let me give you some stories about how it will ruin your life and do everything I can to advocate against it. We should stop with this crazy argument that advocating for the legality of something is the same as championing championing its use. That's not true, right? You, mm -hmm. we, can, we can walk and chew gum at the same time and say something should be legal, even as we advocate against doing it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What extraordinary discovery have you found? Well, you know, um, Really, if you look at it right, life is an extraordinary discovery, right? And yeah. it really is. It's something we should discover every single day. People someday sometimes say, Mark, you know, I've heard this question. What's your favorite day of the week? Okay, the day I'm living right now. Today yes. is my yes. favorite day because I know I'm going to run out of days. And so will you. And so we don't, we're not guaranteed any number of days. Um, but really, if you asked me, today and say, Mark, what is the, the latest, greatest thing you've learned about? I would say stoic philosophy, because again, while I don't agree with everything, I think some, and this is having a huge resurgence in the world. I just went to my very first stoic conference. It was in Tampa. It was put on by modern stoicism. 
And uh, I really encourage people to learn a little bit about ancient philosophy. You might say, oh my God, ancient philosophy, it sounds horrible. But you know, what I learned is ancient philosophy is really all about the same question, at least in the ethics area. They're all trying to answer the question is, what does it mean to live a good life? That seems like an important question to me. And then once you figure that out, how do we achieve this? That's a very important question. And ancient philosophy was about these competing schools that all had different answers to the question of what does it mean to live a good life? And the Stoics were simply one of those schools. The reason they're called the Stoics is because they met outside in the painted, a public painted porch area in front of everyone. And they had these discussions. And this was called the Stoa. So they were called the Stoics, the people who met out in front of the painted porch. That's where the word Stoic comes from. And it, people misunderstand the Stoics. They think that Stoicism is about getting rid of all emotions. And that's just not true. It's about getting rid of negative emotions, but you can't really get rid of them. It's about minimizing negative emotions, but maximizing positive emotions. And there are some very excellent techniques that have now really morphed into the school of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very popular uh, today in terms of in psychology. It's ways, it's to say, look, uh, that thing that happened to you many years ago, that's not the problem. It's your current thinking about that thing that happened years ago, and your thinking can be changed. And there are ways to change your thinking. And this is really what the ancient Stoics had to offer. So there are really twin ideas here. One is to build an excellent character as the number one chief important good and goal of your life to work on your own character. So at the end of your life, when you look back over your life, I already know what you're going to want to see is good character. It's not going to be how much fame or fortune you achieve. It's going to be how much good you did in the world and how you treated other people. And then the second goal of maintaining your tranquility, which is to say, did you have a positive mental attitude? Did you, did you maximize delight and joy and positive and good feelings towards other people and minimize anger, maybe eliminate anger and sadness and anxiety and grief and those kinds of things? To the extent you can do that, you'll live a happier life. And if you're interested in that, really check out the ancient uh, Stoics. In fact, a book I have recommended to people was written by a philosophy professor, Bill Irving. Uh, I'm going to be meeting with him this week. It's called A Guide to the Good Life by Bill Irvine, I-R-V-I-N-E. I highly recommend that book. It's an excellent introduction to Stoic philosophy. And uh, after that, he actually wrote a second book called The Stoic Challenge. And this book also blew me away. It's a way to deal with the inevitable setbacks that we're all going to experience, right? We get small setbacks, medium-sized setbacks, big setbacks, and tragic setbacks. Mm -hmm. And we know they're out there and we know they're coming. How can we deal with them, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the Stoics have a way not just to deal with them, but to look forward to them. And to deal with them as challenges and to test yourself and your resilience on getting through them, maybe even to evaluate how you did for that particular setback. And you, you, it changes your mindset from dreading them to being ready for them and uh, maybe finding some joy in how you dealt with them and uh, testing your stoic philosophy along with spectacular stuff. So I encourage everybody if, if you haven't heard about the Stoic philosophy and you're hearing about it from me, 
I, my, it warms my heart that I have now given you such a great piece of information. I would love an email from somebody that just says, hey, Mark, I checked it out and it's improved my life. That would make my day uh, extra enjoyable. And so I'd certainly appreciate that. Let them know what your email is again, Mark. It's just Mark, M-A-R-C, at Attorneys for Freedom, all spelled out, Attorneys, F-O-R, Freedom.com. That describes what my law firm is about, as you can imagine. And nobody, I don't hire any lawyers at my law firm unless they agree with the principles of live and let live. We really are committed. You know, my firm, it's not just about making money. We care, there are things more important than making money. If you haven't figured that out yet, you should do some more thinking about what's important. I'm not saying money's not important. Money's important, but it's not the most important thing, right? Your health is more important. Your freedom is more important. Your integrity is more important. Your relationships with other people are more more important than money. You figured that out, a great. And so at our firm, freedom is more important than money. And those are the lawyers I hire. We stand proudly for a free society. And uh, it's, it's, I'm very proud of my law firm and the people who work here. And so uh, that's how you get a hold of me. I'd love to hear from you, whether you agree or disagree. If you disagree with something I said, bring it. If you bring it respectful and civilized, yeah. you will always get a, res- a respectful and civilized response from me. Wonderful. Just beautiful. Thank you so much for spending time discussing your incredible mission with our audience. Uh, you know, uh, as Dr. Joel Bryant says, um, we all have the capacity for immensity. And I've had him on the show a couple of times. Uh, this discussion has been insightful and remarkable and a great direction for all of the all of our listeners uh, to take action and to commit uh, to this beautiful mission, um, the live and let live moral principle. And Ron, I want to thank you so much for giving us a little bit of an audience here. Uh, and if somebody hears this message and they choose to take action, it was absolutely worth it. It was wonderful just to get to spend some time with you here on your show. And thank you so much for inviting me and having me on your show. It's been a real pleasure and an honor. And thank you so much for that opportunity. It was wonderful. I had goosebumps a lot of the times with the things that you were saying. So it's affected a lot of people, I'm sure. Well, I'm eagerly looking forward to getting that uh, measly 20-minute speech that I did at UCLA where we met back so I can distribute that to the planet. My wife was there and she said, Mark, it was the best 20 minutes you delivered. And because, you know, I I think like a law professor, I want to get into okay, Mark, what, is, what do you mean by aggression? How do you break that down and, and get into the, the gray areas of that? That's my specialty. That's what I do as a criminal defense lawyer. But she says, get out of the weeds and give them the 30,000 foot overview. And that's what I endeavored to do in that quick 20 minutes and just to give a little teaser. So uh, I'm glad we met and, and thank you so much for that. And if people are interested in that speech, we'll have it posted at liveandletlive.org as soon as it comes out. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it again. It was, it was wonderful. It really moved a lot of people in the audience. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's uh, very heartwarming and uh, I'm trying to do my best. So I feel comfortable that, that I did my best to try to improve things and I'm clear on what's within my control, my efforts, my goals, my reactions to the world Uh, my character, that's within my control. And so that's where I focus my energies. 
and try not uh, to get too caught up in the things like, you know, what happens in Russia and Ukraine. I want to do what I can do to try to influence that, but I don't control what Vladimir Putin does over there. Uh, mm -hmm. But if we all get together, we can have more influence on things. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to influence. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you so much, Rhonda. It was a pleasure. I hope you stay in touch. Oh, I will. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, by the way. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.